section twenty five of the mysteries of london volume three this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. the mysteries of london volume three by george w m reynolds chapter twenty five matilda the country girl in the meantime jane cummins had been using all her eloquence for the purpose of inducing matilda briggs the poor labourer's daughter to become as bad as herself you don't know what a pleasant life we lead she repeated when she had drawn the girl aside to the window quinn my man earns lots of money and we know how to spend it to-night we'd a roast loin of pork and apple sauce for supper at a slap-up eating-house then we'd some rum and water and then we came home here look how quinn's enjoying himself with that egg hot isn't he a capital fellow to be able to get so much money and all so easy too and don't you think i'm happy to have nothing to do but to help him spend it again the young woman struggled fruitlessly to keep down a sigh for in reality she loathed she abhorred the life which she was leading and what do you suppose will become of you and your father and mother she continued why if it wasn't for that good-natured fellow josh pedlar you'd have all been turned out last night into the streets and when the woman came in just now to collect the three pences didn't he take and pay for you and the old people and didn't he give you all the grub you had to-day why do you speak so much about him asked the country girl oh i don't know only because he seems to have taken a fancy to you returned jane cummins and i tell you what it is you may become his joman if you like his what said matilda blushing for she half understood the meaning of the word why his wife over the left if you choose was the answer but what a fool you are you're not so innocent as you pretend to be come tell me have you ever had a lover never replied the girl then it's high time you should the truth is josh told me to sound you she added in a mysterious manner and if you only say the word we'll have a wedding here to-night josh has got plenty of money at this moment he found a purse the day before yesterday where inquired the country girl in a gentleman's pocket at the theatre returned jane coolly and he talks of setting up a mint a mint what with asked matilda with queen's medal to be sure responded the other and i think he's a very thriving young fellow you'd be as happy as a princess along with him and wouldn't he come out strong to-night with the lush if you was to say yes but my father my mother murmured the girl hesitatingly oh leave them to me said jane cummins go and sit down again i'll manage the old woman and she can manage the old man herself matilda returned to her seat and quinn who could pretty well guess what his mistress had been about handed the country girl the quart pot of egg flip she declined to partake of it but he pressed her hard and she drank a few drops oh that's nothing a mere taste cried quinn take another sip come and she did as she was desired lord bless the girl she's quite afraid of it said quinn but you must and shall have a good draught 
resistance was vain quin held the pewter pot to her lips and forced her to imbibe a considerable quantity he then passed the measure to her mother who did not require any entreaty to drink and the labourer himself was not one likely to refuse good liquor when it was offered to him quin thus got upon very pleasant terms with the poor family and making briggs sit next to him he began to chatter away in a familiar style not forgetting to hand round the quart pot at short intervals meantime jane cummins had drawn mrs briggs aside and made certain representations to her the result of which was that matilda should that very night become the mistress of josh pedlar the arrangement was however to be quiet until josh should return for fear that he might have altered his mind since he spoke to jane on the subject in the morning at length pedlar came back accompanied by mutton-faced sal and as he entered the room he exclaimed well pals it's all right old death has took it in hand and so tim is as good as out i've ordered round a gallon of gin punch to make merry in consequence this announcement was received with loud cheers come you here josh cried jane cummins i want to say a word to you well what is it demanded the thief oh nothing bad she replied with a significant look at her paramour quin who laughed heartily as if an excellent piece of fun were in preparation jane then whispered a few words in josh pedlar's ears the man did not however wait to hear all she had to say but bursting away from her caught matilda briggs in his arms and giving her three or four hearty smacks with his lips shouted a wedding pals a wedding a wedding repeated those who were only now let into the meaning of all the mysterious whispering that had been going on first between jane and matilda then between jane and mrs briggs afterwards between mrs briggs and her husband and lastly between jane and josh pedlar a wedding they cried hooray yes a wedding in right good earnest exclaimed josh but where's that drunken old file barlow he's fallen asleep on his bed observed mutton-faced sal then rouse him and be damned to him cried pedlar sal approached the bed and speedily awoke the parson who was at first mighty wroth at what he considered to be a very great liberty but when he was informed that his services were required to perform a matrimonial ceremony that he was to have five shillings for the job and that a gallon of gin punch was expected immediately he uttered a tremendous oath by way of expressing his joy and leaped up with as much alacrity as the fumes of liquor which still influenced his brain would permit him to display a circle was then formed in the midst of which josh pedlar matilda briggs and the begging letter impostor parson took their station one of the hawkers produced a common brass ring which he handed to barlow over whose person quin threw a sheet by way of surplice while another individual gave him an obscene book the greatest excitement now prevailed amongst the rogues and loose women present and even matilda herself entered into the spirit of the proceeding for she was excited with the liquor which quin had forced upon her her poor father alone experienced a qualm of conscience but he dared not utter a word calculated to betray his scruples or 
manifest his regrets for his wife of whom he stood in dread cordially approved of the arrangement the drunken parson now commenced the ceremony and assuming as well as he could the seriousness of former days he recited the following slang chant i parish prig and bouncing ben do hear within this padding ken josh pedlar if thou wilt agree cop that young shaler unto thee to her a fancy bloke be thou tip molly's she's thy joman now barlow made the bride and bridegroom join hands and then continued thus when thou art out upon the cross may she be faithful to thy doss if things go rough and traps are nigh may she upon the nose be fly the company then repeated in chorus the last line after which display of their vocal powers their ceremony was continued by the parson in the following words if jude should pinch a lob or plan a sneezer or a randall's man or work the bulls and cooters rum or go the jump and spiel the drum or turn shop bouncer at a pinch should you do this and get the clinch may she while thou art lumbered be still true and faithful josh to thee the parson paused for a few moments and concluded with this distich be witness all to what is said and with this fawny ye are wed barlow handed josh the ring which the thief placed on the girl's finger and then gave her a hearty kiss the spectators immediately set up a shout of acclamation and at that instant the gin punch made its appearance a scene of debauchery noise quarrelling and ribaldry now followed the parson was voted into the chair which was constituted by the foot of one of the beds and the punch went rapidly round in pewter pots the bowl was soon emptied whereupon josh pedlar sent to the public-house and ordered another the little deformity without legs sang a filthy song even the man with the curved spine and who went about on grapnels forgot his wonted ill-humour and insolence and joined in the mirth the woman who had charge of the house was summoned and for a consideration of seven shillings and sixpence she agreed to provide a separate room for the accommodation of the happy couple this amount was duly paid and the woman was made drunk into the bargain for her trouble at length some one proposed a dance to which the parson objected and moved another bowl of punch as an amendment jane cummins however put an end to the argument by undressing herself and performing sundry saltatory evolutions in a complete state of nudity an example which was very speedily followed by mutton-faced sal whose grief for the loss of her paramour tim the snammer was temporarily drowned in punch even the woman in widow's weeds was about to adopt the same course but she was too tipsy to accomplish her purpose and on rising from her chair fell on one of the beds and into a profound sleep at the same time the noise confusion and disgusting licentiousness of the scene increased to an extraordinary degree but josh pedlar led matilda away or rather carried her for the unfortunate girl was now in a complete state of intoxication revolting as the contemplation of such a scene as that just described must be to the rightly constituted mind it was nevertheless requisite to introduce it into such a work as the present its details prove how necessary it is to establish in the great metropolis 
cheap and well-conducted lodging-houses for the use of poor but honest families this cannot be done by private speculators because an efficient management can only be secured by legislative enactment the government then should direct its attention to this very important subject a poor man is compelled to quit his native town or village in the provinces and comes to london to seek for work he is accompanied by his wife and daughter penury compels him to fix upon the cheapest lodging he can find and a cheap lodging-house cannot be a respectable one its landlord and landlady have neither the time nor the means even if they possess the inclination to discriminate between the various applicants for admission on the contrary they are well aware that the worst characters are most likely to prove their best customers their only consideration is to make their establishment answer and so long as their lodgers pay for the accommodation they seek no questions can be asked to such a den therefore is the poor man forced to take his wife and his daughter the obscene language which falls upon this young girl's ears the fact of being compelled to lay aside her garments in the presence of several males who unconcernedly undress themselves before her the debauchery of the day the licentiousness of the night to all these elements of ruin is she immediately exposed a veil drops suddenly as it were from before her eyes and she finds herself hemmed in by moral corruption surrounded by temptation excited by new desires and encouraged to go astray by her companions how can she leave that sink of impurity otherwise than impure how can she quit that abode of infamy otherwise than infamous many a high-born lady has succumbed to the seducer under circumstances less venial under influences admitting a far less amount of extenuation were the government with the consent of the legislature to establish lodging-houses for poor but honest persons an immense benefit would be conferred upon that class and the fearful progress of immorality would receive a check at least in one point the respectability of such institutions might be insured by placing trustworthy married couples at their head and applying a system of rules which would enforce regular hours exclude ardent spirits and only permit a moderate quantity of beer to be brought in for the use of each individual and likewise empower magistrates to punish those who might be brought before them charged with breaking the regulations or otherwise subverting the wholesome discipline enjoined thieves prostitutes and bad characters would not attempt to obtain admission to establishments of this description no more than a person enjoying a competency would endeavour to become the inmate of a workhouse scenes of debauchery and unbounded license alone suit abandoned males and females and thus every guarantee would exist for the respectable management of those institutions which would save the honest poor from the low lodging-houses of london End of section twenty five